National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. My name is Nina Mile, I'm a curator here at Carriage Works and I am one of the five curators involved in the National. Um, with my colleague here, Carriage Works Director Lisa Havilar, Wayne Tunnicliffe and Annika Jaspers from the Art Gallery of New South Wales and Blair French from the MCA. The discussions about collaborating on the National originated between the three directors of the institutions. And I think firstly, there was a willingness to do something together. Um, traditionally, there hasn't been much collaboration, certainly between the institutions here in Sydney, and I think there was a, a kind of willingness to, to do something there. Uh, I think secondly, there was a recognition that while Sydney was very well served by the Biennale of Sydney in terms of showcasing, showcasing international art to a Sydney audience, um, there wasn't really an exhibition that was a kind of broad survey of Australian art here in Sydney. And uh, so they were the kind of, um, I think, founding ideas, I guess, for the National. And the three directors, in their conversations, arrived at a framework for a six-year project with three editions in 2017, 2019, and 2021. So there was no overarching thematic or curatorial premise to the 2017 edition of the National. Um, rather, we were interested in showing the most kind of urgent, dynamic and ambitious art being made in Australia today. Um, obviously across all states, uh, across generations and artists working across um, media, as well as those Australian artists who are based overseas. Uh, and in terms of kind of arriving at the 50 or so artists who are in this show, um, each of the five curators had had their own research interests, their own lines of inquiry they've been pursuing. Uh, we started meeting regularly about 18 months ago, sharing those ideas, comparing notes on studio visits we'd done with artists around the country, and um, then sharing the artists' lists that we were working with, discussing those lists, comparing them, and uh, gradually kind of, uh, you know, streamlined them and brought that down to a kind of core group of 50 artists. And in terms of where those artists are housed across the three sites of the exhibition, we tried to do that in a way um, which really acknowledged the existing DNA of those institutions. We have very different spaces, we have diff very different characters, different demographics in terms of the audience and different uh, priorities in terms of our programming. So here at Carriage Works, what that means is that a lot of the artists here have um, a performative dimension to their practice. We're a multidisciplinary arts institution that has a strong commitment to performance of various types. Um, and that is really evident in the kind of selection of artists here. We also have a strong representation of indigenous artists, which again speaks to Carriage Works's position within Redfern, um, a traditionally sort of indigenous uh, community here. And we have a strong focus on programming and commissioning Indigenous work.
I think the the title is is something that everyone is quite interested in. It's and we deliberated about it at length. Um, it is intended as a provocation. Uh, it's certainly not intended, um, or we are not intending to kind of define or delineate any sort of national tendencies or a national identity in art. I think um, rather we were interested in the fact that a lot of the artists seem to be working with quite contested or quite contradictory notions of sight and of place. And um, there was a lot of ambivalence in their relationship to their homeland or adopted country or... And so um, we were... Uh, we were particularly interested in those artists who were kind of challenging notions of um, the nation state or, or nationalisms and um, kind of unpicking those. So it's, it's a deliberately provocative title. So I'm sitting here with Ramesh Mario Nithyandran, who is one of the, uh, I think, 17 artists we have here at Carriage Works. Um, Lisa and I were quite sure from fairly early on in the process that Ramesh was an artist whose work we were interested in. Um, Lisa has quite a long association with Ramesh. And the question was really, you know, what, what we did with him. Um, he, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, how, no, how no. we kind of shaped, yeah. shaped that mm. commission. Um, Ramesh had just had a really fantastic show at the National Gallery of Australia um, that was very uh, resolved and quite um, classical, I guess, in its presentation. And so from our earliest mm. discussions, Ramesh was certainly interested in kind of doing something radically different to that. Mm and was quite inspired, I think, from the carriage work spaces. I hope I'm not putting words yeah. into your mouth. No, no, this is exactly right. Um, and so the first thing we did was was really to kind of look at a space mm. and then give Ramesh free reign um, to do whatever he wanted. Mm. And I don't know if you can tell us a bit about, <laughs> yeah, how yeah. you responded. Well, I think um, speaking about it from maybe a personal anecdotal level is actually quite revealing because I actually remember the options of the space and I think when I saw the one that it was in I thought yep that's it and I think what I really responded to was um I just looked up and there was the industrial the remnants of this crane and because I just been I've just exhibited at the National Gallery of Australia which was this kind of severe brutalist um architectural context and kind of coming here there was this real there was more of a grunge factor that really kind of appealed to me um, and the other thing was from the perspective of an artist who just kind of had a couple of big museum shows um, working in a space like carriage works that wasn't concerned with you know housing and maintaining a collection from a conservation perspective um, I kind of understood I could do some things that I perhaps wouldn't be able to do at the previous venues I showed at, um, which I kind of saw as an opportunity to push the work rather than, I guess, restate a previous sentiment in Sydney. Um, so what I really dwelled upon was thinking about what could I do at Carriage Works that I couldn't do at any other space in Sydney. Um, so the things that struck me initially were 
um, scale, lighting, and this idea of immersion, and a more of an experiential, I guess, approach to making the work, or an experiential way for an audience to perceive the work. Um, and I guess the other thing from seeing things at Carriage Works, from a sculptural perspective, they had a real, there's always a sense of large scale sculptural installation. So I kind of got the sense that we'd be able to install something pretty wacky um, and big um, fairly smoothly. So I kind of started from the ceiling down. I said, okay, I want the key sight line to be up there. And it was like kind of in the roof. Um, so, and then I just started scribbling essentially and coming up with a, some kind of visual schema to work from. And what Ramesh arrived at was this incredible installation called The Cave, um, which incorporated three of the totemic mud men sculptures that had come from the National Gallery of Australia show, mm -hmm. but which Ramesh um, kind of grunged up, mm -hmm. I guess, for the, the purposes of the presentation yeah. here at Carriage Works. And then in the centre, he constructed this extraordinary sort of six metre high, I think. 7.2. 7 7.2 metre yeah. high, um, site-specific uh, work called Dirt Deity that um, involving kind of pressing wet clay into, into chicken mesh to create this mm. um, amazing mutant figure yeah. with big polystyrene yeah. heads. Because I think um, what was interesting to me at the moment was with the going on from the previous show at the National Gallery and the... Ian Potter Museum, I was really, it was really engaging with um, scale and this idea of permanency, thinking about monuments, thinking about um, institutional collections, thinking about the role that collecting institutions play in um, preserving, maintaining and giving value to culture. So in some level, I really wanted to have this giant monument that was completely ephemeral in lots of ways, or something that wouldn't necessarily withstand the elements, mm. you know, water, wind, fire. <laughs> um, so I thought about having this dialogue with, you know, earth and unfired clay, so to make something of scale, um, which in lots of ways was also kind of... Think, I was also thinking about architecture, um, and that was really one of the key things I was thinking about in terms of designing that fairly geometric pyramid kind of structure that's the body of this deity. But the other thing I was thinking about was, which I hadn't really thought about, was this idea of electricity as a theme, mm. almost. Because um, I worked with Mark Dyson, a lighting designer, to on the lighting for this. So it has, I think there's 58 metres of neon flex um, sequenced, and they flash at kind of different within an irregular sequential pattern. Um, and we've also programmed theatre lights to within it. Well, we, he, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, but things basically flash and come on at different points um, to give this a sense of inconsistency. Because I think the other thing I was really concerned with was this question of how do you actually work collaboratively with, you know, a builder, a designer, a fabricator, but still make it completely lo-fi. Um, so I kind of had to be quite present in lots of stages to make sure things weren't symmetrical and consistent and neat. <laughs> um, but going on from electricity, 
I really wanted to kind of have this dialogue with the, with urban space, um, which I think carriage works specifically as a venue has this key kind of relationship with, um, given its history, and also the kinds of venue events um, that are that take place here. So I thought kind of neon flex, kind of high coloured lighting was this really obvious sign of you know, a metropolitan region, if you think about, you know, advertising um, cityscapes or whatever. So I wanted to use that in a sculptural and an expressive sense. Yeah, and it is, it's an interesting kind of aesthetic counterpoint mm -hmm. to the earthy yeah. kind of potentially rural, I guess, or yeah. agricultural yeah. play. Yeah. And, yeah. Because I guess from a material perspective, I was thinking about tensions, um, like natural, artificial um, permanent, impermanent, and you know, with clay, I was always thinking about that relationship with polystyrene, because mm. um, in my head, polystyrene's perhaps the most artificial, you know, material you can get, or it's kind of a material that's opposed to nature. It's you know, it doesn't it takes like a hundred million years to degrade. degrade. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, however, I used a recyclable polystyrene. Um, so, oh, good. I feel so much yeah. <laughs> so there were these. There were lots of um, considerations. I think that was urban specific mm -hmm. in making this work and designing this work. And it's interesting to note that the the central work, Dirt Deity, will be destroyed at yeah. the end of the exhibition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I can actually recycle most of those components. Um, and I think that was the other thing. Because I think as an artist working with large-scale sculpture, um, you know, if institutions don't acquire them, you've kind of got to consider its narrative of existence. Um, where do the things go? What impact does that have from an environmental perspective, financial, from a financial perspective, um, and all of those kinds of things? So having something made from things that can be reused was quite appealing to me in that respect. I think, I mean, we've had a, a really fantastic response. Um, I think the fact that the exhibition is a single exhibition developed collectively and triangulated over, over the three sites means um, there's been, we've certainly had people through the exhibition here at Carriage Works that hadn't been to Carriage Works before, and that's really interesting for us. I, I hope the art gallery has had audiences through there that perhaps haven't been to the art gallery before. Um, so I think that's been a kind of really critical thing. Um, yeah, I've taken, I've taken a number of, of groups through, uh, you know, art students, um, groups for kind of seniors and pensioners. We've had a program of visiting international curators and media who've come through and met with a number of the artists. Um, and there's been coverage in kind of international art journals. And so I think it, it has had quite a big impact. Well, I guess if I speak from a, from a more, you know, micro level of audience engagement, um, I think the key thing I was always thinking about was, um, I guess, what the limits, what are the limits of representation in a central space which people couldn't necessarily avoid um, to witness the whole exhibition. And I guess through my time working with perhaps gender-specific or sexually loaded imagery and culturally loaded imagery, um, well, these conversations always kind of need to happen. And 
I think what I've realised is that if there's a if there's no narrative element to the representation, so if it, they seem to be less concerning to lots of people. So I really wanted to have this like ejaculating <laughs> penis <laughs> kind of as this um, like central point of the install, and because I'd never really worked with narrative before, like the, the, the sculptures are there. If you know what I mean, they're not doing things. They're not you know, engaging in any explicit behaviour. So I really wanted to think about um, this idea of artist as this creator and this kind of self-parodying, self-portrait, which kind of gestured towards this ridiculous machismo of that of the scale of the work. But I think what I noticed is that that kind of moving image of the neon of this phallus with this, you know, ambiguous droplet flashing um, has got lots of Instagram traction, um, which I think that's what it was for in lots of ways. I was actually thinking about the internet when I was making that kind of work, um, thinking about the kinds of things people want to photograph, thinking about the things that circulate, thinking about what makes an image punchy. Um, and I think as an artist working in this kind of technological and cultural climate, um, I'm always considering how you know, screen-based image in the internet culture actually, what role that plays in activating work or, um, adding, I guess, adding different dimensions to it. Um, so really that, in some ways, was a gesture to audience participation in the cyber world. How do you create those relationships or movements of audience between, say, Ramesh's work to Claudia's mm -hmm. and to the other exhibition spaces? I think that's re really where our respective marketing teams come in. And, you know, co collaboration is always a kind of thorny um, process and you, you hope that ultimately it's a productive one and I, I certainly feel that about The National. Um, in terms of the curatorial dialogue, I know we've all really, really enjoyed the exchange of ideas and you can feel a little siloed as a curator producing exhibitions for the same space and perhaps working with those artists that the institution is interested in championing rather than kind of, you know, we've sort of broadened that, which is great. Um, but obviously for a show of this scale, all the other departments of the institution also have to kind of work together and knit together. Um, and that just means juggling their respective um, timelines and budgets and kind of processes. I think each institution recognised their strengths and played to those. So the publication of the book was managed by the MCA who have a design studio and are kind of, you know, are, are probably um, best positioned to manage the production of that. Um, the digital was kind of led by the art gallery in terms of the delivery of the website. In terms of also your work specifically um, in the context of the other works then, was it a conscious relationship? Because if you, I feel like when you walk through the spaces there is a beautiful narrative that is created that pushes back against this idea of the national and it really creates or shows this contested space really well. Was that a conscious effort by the curatorial team? I would love to say it was, and I'm delighted that it reads yeah. that way. Um, it's always a fine balance between creating an argument, a curatorial argument or a, a conceptual argument, and the sense of a journey 
through the exhibition um, and balancing that against very boring and tedious pragmatic concerns. Um, there's a further you know, layer of complication with an exhibition uh, where the majority of the work is commissioned. So I think 15 of the 17 artists in the show were commissioned to make new work specifically for the National. Um, and there's always, uh, you know, commissioning is an incredibly rewarding process. Um, it's the one moment when the curator gets to slightly flex their kind of creative muscles as well. Um, but you're also at, uh, you know, it, there's only so much you can do in terms of, um, you aren't necessarily sure what the finished work is going to look like, often till quite late in the day. So there can be a certain anxiety about not really, not being able to plot out an exhibition until very late in the day. Um, that said, we, while there's no overarching kind of theme to the whole biennial, there are certain uh, interconnected threads and lines of inquiry across the three sites and, and also, um, at Carriage Works, we were interested in what we talked about as the anxieties of identity. So the idea of identity not as a kind of discrete and um, resolved construct, but instead as something fraught, fractured, run through with fault lines, and um, endlessly contested and evolving and um, fluid, I guess. And so I think, um, I do think the National here at Carriage Works is quite successful in terms of um, how it did create an argument or a, a narrative or journey through the exhibition while also uh, kind of respecting what the works needed what's, and, and, and placing them in a way that made sense spatially um, as well. And, and, you know, sometimes that just works really nicely and other times you've, you've got to do a bit of juggling. Well, as an artist, I could probably testify to the fact that you, like, you know, I don't even know what it's going to look like until very late in the day as well. Um, especially with making, I guess, a work that has an element of site specificity. Um, because things like placement, um, angles, viewpoints, sight lines, especially when you're working with a key um, figure that's like 7.5 metres tall, um, there were lots of, there was lots of kind of opening doors, closing doors, walking around, um, pushing things, you know, like pushing these 200 kilo plinths, like inches, um, to just kind of get it just right. Um, so I find that process generally exciting, but I try and make sure it's, um, I guess, not too cumbersome on the proceedings of the whole, you know, installation process. But I think that's... Like, I don't really like to work with, you know, a rigid plan and then kind of arrive and here's the exhibition. You know, I don't do those CAD files and, or, you know, do foam core models of my... Ex like, that's not really... F mainly because I wouldn't know how to do that. Um, so, <laughs> but I tend to be a bit more... Um, I don't know if this is a bit... I tend to think about design principles, so contrast, tension, asymmetry, and think about how to create a dynamic viewing experience. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from actually being in the space with the objects, getting a sense of, um, you know, things like negative space as well is, has to kind of happen in the space, thinking about 
I guess, more of a phenomenological relationship between viewers and works. Um, you've kind of really got a, got, a sense, got to get a sense of movement, which in lots of ways can't be planned in a studio environment. I think the work for The National is positioned in a way where it's, if we want to talk in very basic terms, it's probably the largest thing I've done to date, and it's also in some ways the most collaborative uh, exhibition I've produced in that I haven't really worked that closely with a designer to work on an expressive element before, which was the lighting. Um, so I think what it's kind of given me is a sense of um, where I'd like to go, I guess. Because I think before there were very... Um, there were very specific parameters around what I was doing and who I was working with. But um, I think what I really want to get a sense of is working with kinetic um, components, so things that move. Um, you know, they don't have to be spinning or, you know, flying, but um, I'm kind of interested in... I've always wanted to make a really big fountain. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on for a show in February. <laughs> Speaking personally, it was, a, it was a really great project for me because I'd spent most of my professional life outside Australia and returned about four and a half years ago. Um, and I, for most of the time I've been at Carriage Works, I'd been working with international artists as I was when I was based in London. And so it really gave me an opportunity to um, immerse myself in the Australian art scene and get up to speed. I guess I'd, I'd been away for 12 years, and um, so I feel like I learnt a lot and grew a lot and added to that kind of knowledge bank that you have as a curator. Um, and I think it was probably helpful as well in terms of the kind of balance of curatorial expertise that we had for this show. The other four curators had had long and very illustrious careers in the Australian art world. And between them, you, you know, more or less every artist working. So I think I did bring a, a slightly sort of more external or outsider perspective. Um, and I think we all recognised just in the course of our kind of dialogue that we did have uh, probably institutional blind spots as well. So it was interesting to kind of address those and... It was such a monumental effort getting this one delivered in a relatively short um, time frame. We have a date in the diary for the five curators to have dinner in about three weeks' time, which is a sort of debrief on the national, and then after that we will probably start looking ahead to the next one. But I think it's safe to say that probably none of the curators involved this time will be involved next time. And we may even look at alternative models, inviting an external curator or, you know, really just um, to explore different kind of curatorial models. Head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.